welcome to the Sexy Freedom Media Podcast. A place to discuss pain, passion, and pursuits. I want to feel alive. Breathe. Make some moves. Protect the throne. This is Sexy Freedom Media Podcast. Here we go. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Sexy Freedom Media Podcast. This is your host, Helen Edwards. And today I have an awesome guest on. His name is Stephen West. Thank you, Stephen, for coming. Thank you for letting me on. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited to to speak with you because um, you are a male leadership coach, which is really cool. I don't think I've ever really had any leadership coaches on that were males. So (laughs) this is pretty cool for me. Um, Please Take the platform, tell everybody who you are and what you're about. Okay, well, I'm also trying to be as humorous as I can before I get serious. So I was just going to tell you, thank goodness you took sexy freedom first, because now that I've heard it, I would want that to be mine. Nothing is sexier (laughs) than my freedom, which leads me to this story. The best way I know to introduce myself is to tell you that I am sitting on the floor of my oldest daughter's bedroom. I have five children, they're all around me. I've got them huddled under my arms like a hen would gather her chicks. Notice I said hen, and I am a male leadership coach of the male persuasion that I've never heard anybody say roosters would do that. And that's a problem we can talk about later, but as a rooster might learn from a hen, I've got my chicks surrounded by me and I'm I'm comforting them because this is the worst night of our lives. Now, they've heard a, not, a lot of knockdown drag outs with their mother and sadly my ex-wife, but they had never heard anything like this. They had never heard or experienced anything like this. And in this moment, this is my wake up call. This is my come to Jesus. This is if you're familiar with the matrix and I'll refer to that a lot because that is a profound movie. I have been extracted from the matrix and realized that reality is not what I thought it was, that what I thought was freedom was a prison that I had created in my life. I was living other people's dreams for my life that had become my nightmare. And as Mm -hmm. I sought to find answers, because at that moment, I thought everything was prior to that moment, I should say. I thought everything, but this moment, I've got you in this present moment, this present moment where I don't know what the next thing is. I don't know where their mother is going. I don't know what my future holds. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that at this moment, I want to know. For the first time, I am awake. I have gone from asleep to aware to awake and for the first time alive and ready to get what I thought I had, which was freedom. So as I sought to get answers, I found that men struggle with getting help because they've drank the spiked punch, the Kool-Aid of Hollywood and whatever, of what a macho man is. The Lone Wolf McQuaid, if you're not familiar with that, that's a Chuck Norris movie. So everybody wants to be a lone wolf and the unique personality of me, Stephen West, or men like me who don't want to work for somebody else, they want to be an entrepreneur, and I am a serial entrepreneur. Anybody don't know what a serial entrepreneur is, I tell them it's like being a serial killer with fewer bodies to hide. Notice I said 
fewer, not none, because, you know, stuff happens. I'm just <laughs> kidding, of course, as far as you know. But at this point, I'm awake and I'm seeking answers. And what I find out, it's rare to find men that will come so far to the end of their rope that have woke up like I did and will admit where they are. Let's face it, you being a woman, you can possibly you know, it confirmed this women will meet each other, complete strangers and share intimate details about one another. Men can have this uh, best friend for 40 years and not know they're married, have kids, what their middle name is, what their favorite ice cream. I mean, we are so can be so stoic and so stubborn and so knuckleheaded. So the, the biggest reason you can't go seek freedom is because you're drinking the Kool-Aid that what you have is in fact freedom when it ain't like the matrix. If you're not familiar with that, I'll give you a homework assignment. Go watch it. Come back. This will all make sense. <laughs> yes. But to be extracted from the fake reality and realize your reality is I had all these people who meant well, who were speaking into my life, my parents, my mentors, who had given me ideas. And I realized I was living their dream which for some reason had become a nightmare. I didn't even know what I wanted or what freedom would look like. So I went on a pursuit of freedom and I found it. And I found it in men who had come to the end of their rope like me and had finally admitted, hey, I don't know what I'm doing and I need help. That's hard for men because we don't like to let anybody know there's weakness there. And what I found was my mess is my message. And in my weaknesses where I can do the greatest good to deliver, hey, I was weak and now I have strength in myself and I can help you do the same. And I've spent a lot of time and money, money and energy figuring things out. So when people ask me, well, how did you decide to become a leadership coach? I didn't. It chose me through my walk. And so I'm a marketer. I'm a salesperson. I'm a businessman. Some of the greatest marketing stories we can learn from Hollywood. And you look at the greats and one of the great, I'm not going to go Star Wars nerd on you, but it's a significant piece of, of, of human history and American history is the Star Wars saga. And if you understand that three of the greatest stories ever told are small town boy or girl makes good. They make it from the small town. They weren't like Paris Hilton where they were born with fame and fortune. They came from nowhere and made it somewhere. Okay. And then the second greatest story is us versus them. We love us versus there's always a them. There's the government or big business or big tobacco or big whatever, right? We're out and it's us, the little people against them. And then the final thing is reluctant hero, reluctant hero, not somebody that's sought out to be a hero. The characters we love the most are the ones who are greatness was thrust upon them. Now, Luke Skywalker wanted to get away from that little podunk town sand farming like he was. And he had dreams of doing some things, flying some spaceships, but he never knew that he would be thrust into the, you know, the very essence of the battle of good and evil for the entire unit and become the savior of the universe. Never did okay, he once so do that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's okay. So I've got a question real quick. I, and yeah. I, I could tell you're so passionate about your story, but I kind of want to get a timeline for everybody to understand of yeah. where, where you began your journey. Like Okay. You know, what, what year was it? You know, how many years has it been that you've been sure. on this journey of, of where you're at and, you know, how you got to where you're at now? Okay. So going back a little bit further than that, I was born an entrepreneur. I didn't choose it. It chose me, Okay. but I didn't, I didn't know that. So it wasn't until I was grown and out of college that I got mentors that handed me books. I didn't know that you could rent a rent mentors or you could go find them. I just thought there's something wrong with me when someone handed me Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. 
And yes. I realized the story. And I only had a poor dad growing up to go to school, get good grades, get a good job. Not knowing that he had quit a full time job to farm because that was his passion. But he could see farming wasn't my passion. So I did what he told me to do. You don't need to stay on this farm. Go to school, get good grades, get a good job. And as I worked in corporate America, mentors were thrust upon me. I thought something was wrong with me because I didn't have a rich dad. So I had to go spend a lot of time and energy to get rich dads, led me into entrepreneurship. And then I, I kind of got to where I just told you it was in my rope. So it's been a few years. So I am 49. I'm not afraid to tell you that. I graduated from college at 21. What is that? I was told there'd be no math on this show today. 28 years, roughly. That's a long time. So in 28 years, I had to figure out that I wasn't cut out to work for other people. And then when I left my last job, which was 15 years ago, I got into business with people because I figured, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. I'll go learn from other people. And it was kind of like one of my favorite books growing up when I was a kid, Berenstain Bears, How Not to Ride a Bicycle. I learned more about how not to do business. And sometimes we learn more from the negative, but a lot of blunt head trauma in that. And I realized I was at the scene of every crime in my life, meaning I wasn't doing well in partnerships, probably because the same the need for independence to kept me from being good at a day job, kept me from being good as a partner. So I went out on my own and then I made a, still yet more mistakes. I wasn't so judgmental about the people. So as you look at the timeline of, I got out of college at 21, it took me a while to figure out that I needed to quit my day job, like a while, like from 1993 to 2008 eight or something when I quit my last job for job's sake and then figured some stuff out of nine or 10 and then realized I destroyed my family in the process in the last few years and got everything back on track over the last few years. So it's, it's been a journey of, as I realized that I was beyond a point of no return in my marriage, sadly. And but that's the bad news is that I didn't save that marriage, no matter how hard I tried. And I was, the I was in denial. I was the last one that realized that everybody else on planet earth, including you, and you didn't even know you knew, knew my marriage was over. I didn't know. I finally came to grips with it. I tell people like, it takes two people to have a marriage, but it don't take one to have a divorce because court will just honor their paperwork. I tell people in case. Yeah. They know. <laughs> so, so I've come through this journey. And so sadly, men tend to go in extremes. I'm an extreme personality. You may have figured out already. And I'm just getting <laughs> to know you. I mean, even come out of my shell yet, but um, I, I tend to drink this Kool-Aid of, you know, middle of the road is middle of the road. This vanilla extract is born or whatever, where there's a reason they paved the road because on each side of the road is ditches and trees and stuff you can run into in the analogy of driving through life. So I realized I went from one ditch where I sacrificed my family for this dream that I had, uh, mm -hmm. which became a nightmare. And then I overcompensated. I tried to save my family and took my eye off the business ball and business mm -hmm. went in a ditch. And then I was confronted with a problem of, well, you know, I used to have a lot of stuff, even though I'm getting along with my family really well. And now I'm getting better at being a father and figuring out how to be a good husband to somebody else. And the good news is I am happily remarried to the, to the woman of my dreams and, you know, life is good and, and on the father and, and I figured out how to put it all together and get to balance. So balance is one of the mis most misunderstood things on planet earth, especially by men. Everybody thinks you just balance something and lock it in like balance in a tire. Like once I figure out where the center of gravity <laughs> is, I put a weight on, I bang it on it. The tire is balanced. Now we hit a bump. More importantly, I was showing this to my wife and kids the other day, take a broom or a broom hammer, a long thing and put it on your finger and try to balance it. You don't just balance it and stand still. You're constantly in motion. It takes energy. And as soon as you stop or take your eye off of it, it falls off. So balance is not some static condition. It takes a tremendous amount of energy and time and focus. And so 
you've got to be able to keep the balls in the air if you're a juggler or yes. to keep those plates spinning. So the, the time frame is, is that I'm 49, uh, 21 years of that is getting through K through 12 in college, getting an engineering degree because I, this was my career counseling. Hey, you're pretty good at math and science. I think engineers got to do that. Cool. Let's go figure out how to be one. Not knowing that engineers tend to be introverted and work on data and details. And I'm a big picture visionary. I like to talk with my hands in case you hadn't noticed. I'm yes. like, why did I go to engineering <laughs> school? But you know, there's always this plan in your life where I went into sales because I found out engineers maybe were overwhelmed by my extroversion, but they engineers want to know they're talking to an engineer. They don't trust just right. salespeople. You got to be a sales engineer. So it got me introduced into sales and I do have some technical ability, but then I came full circle into, man, I'm a, I'm about people. I'm about helping people. And it's not that I can't help them in engineering. I can, but I promise you, you don't want a big picture engineer. In other words, you don't want to ride in anything I designed. Engineers need to focus on details. I don't care about the details like the big picture. So stuff I designed might fall apart and hurt you. So don't, you know, I, luckily I didn't make anything that you might get in anytime soon, like a, a automobile or airplane or drive across a bridge. I designed I didn't do any of that. But, but the, so the journey is I'm here to encourage anybody listening that, you know, if after you invest time in a college degree and a career, you get to a point where you're scared to do anything different. And I know part of your story, because I was giving your Facebook link and I stalked you a little bit ethically, <laughs> of course. And I know that 2020 handed, you know, threw you some curveballs and your words, not mine. And, and you decided to hit home runs. And, and one of those things was, was, you know, the full-time versus part-time thing. So I get it. What, what used to work yesterday may not work today. And you got to be able to improvise, adapt and overcome. And you don't need to do that alone. So yes. thank you for asking me about the timeline because yeah. sometimes I just go out there. Yeah, I, I can do tell. Like the story. Yeah. <laughs> but you are very passionate, which I really love that. And I can tell, you know, and I, so I've got some questions here that I really want to get to um, from some, um, some males who, intervene and I asked them what would they'd like to know from a male leadership coach. Uh, so let's see here. Okay. So here's your first question. I've got three here. So um, what was the number one inspirational moment in your life that made you decide to become a coach? That night that I started my story with. So when I realized I woke up, I, like I said, I'd never been awake before. I was when you say that, that night, when you say the night that I night, I was with my kids the night that okay, I had. And how long ago up. was that? Years. So let's say five. About five years ago. Okay. Yep. So five years ago when you were with your kids, something inside you clicked yep. and woke up. Okay. Yep. I kind of always wanted to help people, but it's kind of like, I, you know, I kind of wanted to do a lot of stuff. So it wasn't really a passion. It wasn't a burning thing. So what ends up happening, and the reason I told the story about Reluctant Hero was that's what we all become. At some point, you go figure some stuff out and you have a moral, ethical duty and responsibility to go, hey, I think I can help people to not figure this out through the blood, sweat, tears, and blunt head trauma that I spent to get here. Mm. And I, I think I can help them. And I noticed that when I looked in culture and I looked in society, I could tie almost every problem we have back to male leadership or the lack thereof. And that don't mean that I am anti-women and children. What I'm saying is because you are a female, like you said, you'd have never, never had anyone of not quite this much male persuasion I'm not putting words in your mouth, but whatever you said is, is that this is why women need to care because you can't escape. You, you can't have a world without men. You just can't. So somewhere there's a daddy or a husband or a boyfriend or a son or a boss, or if you're in business for yourself, a client or an employee, you're going to be around men. 
they're just around and you need to understand their unique challenges and how you can best help them even and especially when they're being knuckleheads because mm-hmm. this is what I find out after going as a civilian I, I you can see the colors I'm flying I appreciate every man and woman who served their country in the U.S. military any branch any f- form or fashion and as a I, I was not I did not and as a civilian I have sought out ways to get my butt kicked in boot like camp fashion as much as a civilian can pay for that because for some reason, men need to get their butt kicked to get it. We're just violent people. It's just what we are. I mean, it's, here's some sad stuff about male leadership or the lack thereof. Two thirds of all suicides are men. So when women say they want equality, one of the jokes is, do you want that? And that's a sad joke. The other thing is most violent crimes are committed by men. Well, testosterone is real. So I'm not going to get in a political debate about the difference sure, between sure. men and women, but there's differences. Okay. And so they've got a set of problems. And so uh, violence helps break a man down. And so we, I paid money, good, good money to willfully get beat down. When they introduce this same format to women, they find out if you tell a woman to do something, she'll just go, you're right and do it. They, they're more teachable. They don't need the proverbial beat down. That's, that don't mean that, that anybody violated us or sure. violence that we didn't ask for. Okay. So for some reason, men don't get it. They'll fight you. They'll go, no, I don't. No, I don't. And, and you got to have a beat down. Women just go, yeah, you're right. It's, we're just different. And sure. so now I don't have to beat you down. If you, you, I can introduce you to people who are really better at that than I am. It's, it's more, uh, I can deliver a truth on the end of a stick, but you tend to feel the sting of the stick and miss the truth. So what I found out is, I, as you see, I'm a fiery personality. I like to bring fire. Fire is natural to me. But if you're in a desert and you're thirsting, you want cold water, the last thing you want is fire. So I've had to learn how to calm down because everybody ain't as sure. quiet as fire is me. And sometimes I got to slow down. See, I slow my pace and my tone, but because of coronavirus and because, well, podcast is podcast, but because we live more in this virtual environment now, you should bring energy when you're on a physical stage because you're in front of a lot of people and they can't get near you. But in this where it's audio only or just video, you have to bring it. And I used to always have to do this. I'm not working to do this. I'm actually, you have to work to bring it down. That's just, we well, can call it a gift or curse or whatever. So the, the point is you gotta, you gotta meet people where they are and men are at various stages of either denial or anger until they accept the fact that I did that night. So to a long-winded version, we'll wrap this up. How did I know? The night that I realized that I didn't have my act together and that my dream life was actually a nightmare. I was living other people's dreams. I didn't even know what mine was. And I went from, I wanna be an entrepreneur to an entrepreneur coach and a male leadership coach. Now entrepreneurship's not the only way for a man to get freedom, but it's a pretty good way. I had a mentor of mine teach me a job will make you a living, but a business will give you a life. Well said, well said, yeah. Thank you. I love that. Okay, Um, so the second question is, If someone was to ask you, what steps should I take to find my direction in life when referring to career path, how would you respond? Well, that's a, that's an excellent question. And we could talk for hours about that. And then we don't have, there's a lot of factors that would come in that you find in your path. Maybe what's a baby steps, some baby steps. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say mindset. It's all again, the game of life is one right up here. And what do you, so it depends what age are you and what do you know about you? Cause back to the matrix and the Latin phrase above the Oracle's door, uh, first know thyself and 
that's the problem is you don't know you yet. And I'm 49 and I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to be when I grow up. Now, it, you can let it bother you when certain people at a very young age have tremendous clarity about what they want to do. For example, Arnold Schwarzenegger knew that he wanted to be not only a bodybuilder, but the best that ever was and the physique by which all others would be measured. And he wanted to become a millionaire before he descended upon Hollywood. And he would parlay monetary success and bodybuilding success and becoming a, a Hollywood icon. And he did all that. And he knew that at a very young age. Boy, I wish I'd had that clarity at a young age. I didn't. So if you're not Arnold Schwarzenegger or somebody who knew very, 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 very young, you just got to go do some stuff. For example, when I have when you have five kids and somebody says, how in the world are you going to afford to send five kids to school? Number one, I can afford whatever I want to because I can go create value and create money. Money's just an idea. Number one. Number yes, two, yes. I'm going to make them put their self through school like they did me. So they appreciate it. When I was in college, I saw kids finding themselves, which means they were partying and goofing off and spending mom and daddy's money. But I had to work two jobs every summer and figure out how to get money through grants and loans. I put myself through school. So I graduated on time early. As a matter of fact, there's 21. I had to pay for it. So number one, I can afford whatever I want to. Number two, they got to figure it out. And number three, nobody said they had to go to school. Nobody said they had to go to college. So my point to that was there's a lot of different ways, but what do they know about themselves at 18? I think that's why a really I, excellent question that people do need to ask themselves is right. what do you know about yourselves? So go try some stuff. So here's what you do when a kid says, mom or dad, I want an electric guitar. I want a set of drums. Or I want to go to college for four years to study this, that, or the other. Like, why don't you just go try something for free? Like, go borrow your buddy's electric guitar. Because if you want to quit after five minutes, that'll be something else I wasted money on and sits in the closet. Why don't you go try some stuff? Why don't you go show up? Before, mm -hmm. you, you know, go somewhere and volunteer or find a low paying, find out what's go try some stuff. Cause how do you know what you're good at? But there's, there's signals. Like, I don't know how old you are, but what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were seven, before you came contaminated, when you thought everything was possible at seven, there's something magic about seven. I can tell you very briefly is you are, you have pretty much formed your entire personality by the time you're seven, but you're still so unadulterated and unbeat down by the world. You're just, you're just right for the picking at seven. So at seven, what did you want to be and why? And why did you accept something less? If you want to be an mm. astronaut, why, I really why like did you that. change it? Yeah. The second yeah. thing is, what have you spent the last 10 years doing? Whether they paid you or not, what do you do for fun and excitement? Because wouldn't it be neat to get paid to do something you like and really good at? And then look at what tweaks your emotions. What makes you mad as fire or happy as you've ever been? Or when you're doing something, you lose track of time, you forget to eat, you forget you look and holy cow, the sun's already set. Where do you lose yourself? Because that's you. And that'll give you clues of where to go try stuff. So you're not randomly trying everything, but a career before you invest the time and the money and energy to go get a degree. Don't find yourself at college, find yourself in seminars, find yourself in books, do a, a and I'm not telling you to quit college or not go to college, but I'm telling you that's not, that's not necessary to the best place to get career guidance. Cause I finished my engineering degree. Cause I finished what I start. And like I said, if I had to do it all over again, I might not go down that route, but that's the route I went. So I'd have a little more career. I'd look at the fact that um, I've been an auctioneer. I'm a professional entertainer. En engineers don't do that. Why, why did I go into where I had to talk for a living? Now, a buddy of mine, when I was in one of my first engineering jobs out of college, was reading the, uh, the one ads or whatever you call them in the newspaper back when people used to get those. Remember, you'd actually pick up newspapers and read them. He said, here's an ad for you, Stephen. You ought to call this number. It says, walk, talk, and make money. 
like talk and make money. Well, that, that that's kind of what we do now. So if you're introverted, you maybe don't want a deal where you got to talk for a living. But if you like to write, so you really need to look at what, what would you like to do or what do you not like to do and what would be not like work for you. Now, there's the flip side to that advice, which is you can't just play your way to, to fame and fortune necessarily. Like, for example, if your passion is golf, but you're not as good as Tiger Woods, you just are, then you need to find something else to pay your way. Or you can go open a top golf franchise or whatever. How could you make money from what you're passionate about, even if you're not that good at it? You can make money with a top, you know, it's golf related. On TikTok. You don't, yeah, or, yeah, exactly. So, so there's all, especially in this economy, you mentioned it with social media and, mm-hmm. and, you know, you think about what people pay with the Super Bowl coming up for, for a Super Bowl commercial. And if you know what you do and how much that costs because of the eyeballs, you can get as much reach if you know what you're doing marketing on YouTube for free mm-hmm. or near free compared to paying all that money for. So we live in unprecedented times where you can go back, figure out anything pretty quickly. I mean, watch a couple of YouTube videos about, I thought I wanted to learn how to play the guitar until I watched two YouTube videos and tried it and it hurt my fingers. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want my finger. I'm not willing to put in the time until my fingers get tough. And so many other things I'd rather do. And you can go read Gary Keller's book. The one thing that basically go find yourself in books. You can learn from other people and do little try. Everything in life is a test. Okay. Now I spent four years testing whether I could get a degree in engineering and I spent several years. I I would recommend you don't spend as long as I did testing, but go test, figure some things out, especially when youth is on your side, when you can travel the world before you get tied down and get married and get kids and get a mortgage, you know, and you feel like you got to do something that your daddy told you to do, or your mama told you to do, or you got a degree in is go travel, travel the world, chase the money, see where they're paying a lot of money and learn a trade. Work with your hands, learn to be an electrician or a welder or a pipe fitter for a season. Because here's what uh, my stepson did. And I'm not speaking out of turn to tell you that his career was changed because of coronavirus. He reverted to skills he already had when he put himself through college as a machinist. But what he's doing is guess what he's doing the whole time he's machining. He's an automobile university. He's consuming content like this. He's changing his brain so he doesn't have to stay a machinist. It's, it's what he's putting in his ears because he can wear earbuds while he's working. Yes. And, and I love that. Yeah. So yeah, I really like that to learn. Yeah. Um, so what you said, just to touch on a few things was, you know, you know, suggesting or encouraging people to do seminars, read books, you know, especially what you said about your stepson having, um, you know, earphones in and listening to to something to help him grow. That's exactly kind of what I did when I was working. I was able to uh, work you know, with my computer and, and mm-hmm. keyboard and also listen to music. But instead of listening to music a lot, I'd listen to audio tapes. I'd listen to you know, books. So audio tapes, I'd listen to audio books. And uh, so I really like that you said that. And I wanna get to our question three. I think that was yep. really great. Uh, so the question three, how do you personally react against those days when things just refuse to go as planned? And it seems like everything is going against you. That's a great question. And as a recovering control freak, what I would encourage you with is not, you see, the truth is not always what you want to hear. You have less control than you think you do. 
So what you control is not necessarily your circumstances, but how you respond to them. So the interesting thing is, and you said, hey, the day's not going the way I wanted it. Well, number one, Warren Buffett, who's pretty wealthy, pretty smart guy. And I'm, I'm understating that. He's tremendously wealthy and tremendously brilliant and has read, he spends about five or six hours a day reading. And he's done that for decades, nearly a millennia. Pretty smart guy. He says the key to happiness is realistic expectations. I think he actually said low expectations. Now, on the, on the one hand, you get what you expect. So expect better, but be realistic about what should the outcome be and be open to, and I was talking about this with my wife recently. If you read, I wanted the books to change my life. A lot of books have changed my life. Jim Collins, good to great. What makes companies go from good to great while other companies with the same opportunity didn't make the transition. And one of them was called the Stockdale paradox. Stockdale, General Stockdale was, was in a Vietnam POW camp during the Vietnam and after the Vietnam war. And they asked him after they got out, after spending years in subhuman conditions, he said, who made it and who didn't? He said, believe it or not, the pessimists didn't make it. And they said, well, yeah, we can understand that. They were just so negative that they just lost their desire to fight and live. He said, but the optimists also didn't make it either. The optimists were saying, oh, we'll be out by Christmas. We'll be out by Easter. We'll be out by, and, and, and they kept setting optimistic goals that didn't happen. And after a while, it just defeated them. So the Stockdale paradox is, this realist of this is bad. This is, it don't get no worse than this. However, I don't know how we're going to get out. I don't know when we're going to get out, but I know we're going to, we're going to get out of here and die or die trying. And so that's the people that made it. They could acknowledge, Hey, this is bad, but I control what I think about the circumstances. How would you even consider you can't control there's very little circumstances you can control. There's so many decisions being made by people, politicians, government, businesses. Oh my gosh, your family. There's so many people making decisions that are outside of your control. Like I'm running Facebook ads for my business. Next thing you know, Facebook shuts my ads down and bans me forever, you know, and I didn't do anything. And I got an Amazon business and Amazon, there's people, you know, when you do business with big companies, but you could be do, doing business with your stepsister and she do something wacky and stupid and mess up your day. So what you have to control is your choices and how you respond. Interestingly, we know we talk about 30 minute comedy shows on TV. We call them sitcoms. That's short for situational comedy, but that's a misnomer. We don't care about the situations. We care about how the characters respond. If I'm old enough to talk about Jerry Seinfeld, the stupid stuff that happened was great, but how Jerry and the, how the characters respond is how we care. Not the fact that Luke finds out that the, the evil personified is his biological father. It's how he responds. So how do I respond? Great question. How I choose to respond. Your, your quality of your life is determined by the choices you make. You want a better life, you make better choices. I talk about this all the time to friends, family, clients, male leadership, clients, whoever will, will stop long enough for me to listen to, listen to me is some days are going to be like that. You have to have days like that. But I'll have you consider this, that if all you're looking at is the grape, then it seems like a wasted day. The grape, I'm talking about a crushing of a grape, but the crushing of the grape, if that's all you had, it seems like a wasted day. But what if the crushing produces the juice? But then the juice has to go through a process that takes time and energy 
to become wine. I don't know anybody that gets in grape clubs. I don't know anybody that gets in juice clubs, but I know people to get into wine clubs. I don't think anybody's ever paid a million dollars for a group of grapes or a single bottle of juice. But for some reason, wine is extremely valuable. Why? Because of the time, the process. It's more valuable because it's wine. It took the time to create it and the older it is, the better it gets. So you've just got to mature and become more and you become more through bad days. Nobody ever grows at the buffet, but literally they, they yeah. you put on weight <laughs> later. Like, and what's funny is you don't typically burn fat when you're exercising, you burn fat when you're asleep, when you're recovering. And so it's a, there's a, there's, there's a process and there's days that are meant to refine you. And those are those days. So how you respond is in gratitude and, and please don't miss the message. Look hard for what was I meant to learn from today and how can I use that tomorrow? Because some days things happen outside of control. Look, do business with Google or Facebook or Amazon or anybody and find out that some goober heads. I mean, there's a kid they hire right out of college. He's still got acne. He writes a program and deploys it. I don't even know the kid. I'm, and I, I don't know him, so I'm making that up. That's my visual. Yeah. And he deploys an algorithm that completely shifts my business, makes me have to lay off 12 people. That sure, was not a sure. good day. People had worked for me for years that were like family to me. I'm like, it's done. We're, we're done. So, hey, that's not a good day. And you say, what did I do to contribute to this? How did I put all my eggs in one basket? What did I do to, to end up here? And then how do I recover? How do I have, that's why I'm passionate about multiple streams of income. And I have a yes. little story to tell you about that we're running out is so, you, you know, you sometimes when like the previous question will tie back to this is how do you know what you're supposed to do with your life? That was not exactly the question, but it was like, well, sometimes you got to do what you got to do to fund what you want to do. Cause what you want to do, you ain't good enough at to pay the bills. So sometimes you got to prosper where you're planted and that's not going to be your best days. Like the son and the, the, the stepson, who works as a machinist by day, but during the day he's changing his brain and preparing for his future, not waiting for some ship to come in. And so he can have bad days in that job, but as long as he, they don't make him get rid of his earbuds and he constantly gets access to books, tapes, CDs, seminars, podcasts, whatever, he's in control of his day because he's in control of this. What you can control is your mindset and how you respond to things. And that's hard enough. Trust me, the mistakes I've made, that in itself is hard enough. That's why so many entrepreneurs, one description of entrepreneurship I've heard is a self-funding, if you do it right, personal development program. That's why all entrepreneurs I know are addicted to personal development. I went to an event, a, a, a business event. It cost me $7,500 for three days. There were 30 people there. So these ain't the average people. This won't their last dime on planet earth. They were successful business men and women. And not all of us got together for dinner, but most of us, 20 some of us got together and we went around the table and we said, quoted two numbers, how much we thought we had invested in our non-traditional education beyond K through 12 or beyond college, books, tapes, CDs, seminars, podcasts, whatever, right? Stuff like we were at. And what was our net worth and income? And to the person without exception, the one who had invested in themselves more made more. 
Oh, I love that. That is so great. Cause I actually believe that a lot. I mean, as a person and what you said is so correct. Most people that are out there helping other people do invest in themselves, do uh, are big uh, students of self-development. I myself am one of those. So yep. I, I definitely agree with that. I'm glad you mentioned that. And then you wonder, so I used to wonder when I had a poverty mindset and just a poor dad before I realized, you know, I used to think things when I was a kid, well, when is Bill Gates and Warren Buffett going to stop? Because they were the richest two men on earth at, the, at that age. Like when, when's enough's enough. And then I realized they have an obligation to continue to create opportunities for other people. They create jobs, they create, cre you know, they stimulate the economy. So then I realized when you look at somebody like Damon Johns, the people shark, he's been successful with uh, FUBU and, and then on Shark Tank. Why am I getting emails from him about trying to help me with personal development? Because he, he he's not, number one, he has the ability to create more wealth. Why wouldn't he? And make other people wealthy along the way. But if he can help me learn something he learned along the way, knowing how much he struggled when it was just him and his mom, him and his mom were willing, if you don't know this about Damon Johns, were you like, look at him, he's so fancy. Yeah, well, you willing to do this? You talking about a bad day? And he did this for like years. They sold every piece of furniture they had so they could put the clothes making equipment in their apartment up in New York. And they were their staff. He slept on the floor while his mama made clothes. They sold everything they had and slept on the floor and did that and made clothes and made clothes and made clothes. And he was just out hustling. It was just him and his mama. So I don't think people really, all we see is Damon John and the people shark and fancy suits and FUBU and Shark Tank and all that. Nobody wants to talk about, okay, I mentioned Bill Gates. Bill Gates, we know, you know, tremendously wealthy. You know what they mm -hmm. don't talk about? Because nobody wants to hear it. For 10 years from the age of 20 into the age of 30, he never took a day off. Not a single day off in 10 years. Nobody wants to talk about that. And you think all them days were good? You think he had to get up some days? and pick himself up by his bootstraps and go back to work. You know how many times he probably quit? They said what made Jeff Bezos start Amazon when he already had a good job. He already had a high paying job. He had to not be afraid of what he walked away from. He had to, he said he projected into his to future and to his deathbed and said, will I be glad that I stayed in that job or will I regret taking a chance? Yeah, and we see it worked out pretty good. So not everything you try is going to work out. So if you had a bad day, you haven't learned everything yet. Yeah. Right. And, and, and the smart and I promise you, Warren Buffett has some bad days. Bill Gates had some bad days. I mean, I think a big uh, the rapper said it best, mo money, mo problems. I think I got problems. <laughs> if you wake up and you got the money Bill Gates or Warren Buffett has, you got bigger problems. And if your money problems are bigger than you, it'll crush you. So yeah. if it's a day you meant to make money, you didn't make money, you don't want money to outgrow your personal growth because you've seen people that won the lottery and it destroyed their lives because their money came. Hey, the Amish, one of my mentors learned from the Amish offense that goes up fast, falls down fast. So back to where I started with Warren Buffett, because I like to, I just, I don't have original ideas. I just ride on the shoulders of giants that came before me and he had a mentor yes. and he had a mentor and there's been mentors here since Adam and Eve. So what my mentors tell me and all that makes me me is what do you do when you have a bad day? Go have another bad day, but try to make the next day a little bit better than the day before because you learn something and you can't control circumstances. Control is outside of your control. Mm -hmm. I said that to be funny is what you can control 
is this. And that's hard enough because this is complex. This is complicated brain chemistry. You got to unlearn. You got 20 some biases that mess with you. And you got to know physician, heal thyself, know thyself. And that you got to get up early and work on you before you ever go work on your business or your job or anything else. You got to be willing to get up early and work on your, your physical fitness, your physique and, and your family and your faith, whatever that is, before yeah. you can work on your finances. And there's so much to that. It's that back to that balance thing. Yes. And some days you're going to get knocked off your balance. So as we yeah. wrap this up. Yes, I love, I, I can tell you're so uh, passionate, you know, just a few words from having you on and just the moment we've spent together. Um, I love that you're very passionate, very fiery. Um, you know, there's so many, there's a variety of, of helpers of light workers or lights out there, whatever people like to call themselves coaches, mentors. And I love that we all have different personalities, different uh, earthy and fiery and watery spirits to us um, because we touch different people. So uh, you mentioned a lot, a lot of great things, but I really want to bring it back to you as we're coming to an end here. Uh, I want you to tell us what are you doing personally? What are you doing with your business? You know, what, what's next? What are you, how can people come to, to work with you? Um, Do you have an event coming up? Do you do virtual events? Do you offer, you know, what kind of coaching specifically? Tell us about your shirt you're wearing. I see you got something going on and I know you, you got a podcast going on yourself or you're about to start one. I'm launching this podcast. If you can see my shirt. Tell us specifically what's going on. So the name of the podcast is what I'm teaching my sons now. So you know how passionate I am about male leadership, not because I only want to help men, because I've got this vision for my life, whereas I focus on men because I understand them more than I do females, is I'm helping the women in their lives too by making them better men. Um, So I'm helping women and children indirectly, but I'm, I'm focusing on men. But what I'm teaching my sons now, I have five kids, three of them are girls. It's not that I'm ignoring them. I'm just focusing on number one, what I'm teaching. I'm doing it, not rely waiting on Netflix or YouTube to teach them, but their father is taking ownership of teaching them. And mm-hmm. my sons now, there's a sense of urgency. We see craziness in the world. What am I teaching them now? Now, now it's not going to change because I happen to teach timeless wisdom, but now gives it a sense of urgency. Now it has a subtitle and I'm a marketer and I like alliteration. The subtitle is making men that master mindset, money, and messages that matter. To break that down, we're making men. We're not waiting to see what the world produces in them. Netflix, YouTube, whatever. Listen, somebody's teaching your, our sons. Might as well be us, okay? The, the father. Uh, so making men being involved in building them, building them up, that master, mastery is the key. The first thing they got to master is this, like I already talked about. The second thing that'll make you break your life is money. Yeah, the mindset will help you produce the money because who you are determines who you'll, how you'll show up to serve. Money, I tell my kids, what's the difference between a dollar bill and a hundred dollar bill? The value of the ink on those two zeros? No, it's just an idea. It's a measure of exchange of value. You want money? You for things, the things are valuable to you, then bring value to the marketplace. So that requires a mindset shift to go and master money. So you're not a slave to it. I became a slave to my business rather than this business serving me. And that's why it became a prison instead of a vehicle for freedom for my family. And I find a lot of men did that. And so the last thing after mindset and money is messages that matter because there's so much noise out there. 
and basically good marketing. Some of my mentors came up with this slogan. Every man has a message. Every message matters. But for it to matter, it has to be marketed because build it and they won't come. You have to know how to get your message out there and, and master the messages that matter because there's just too much noise. And so that's my passion project I'm starting. We're promoting it. We're, we're, we're in the studio recording it and I'm getting the word out. And so how to find out more about me or get in touch with me. And we do offer group coaching. We offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. You can find all this at stephenmwest.com. Stephen with a PH like it's supposed to be spelled. M as in Mary and West as the opposite of East. S-T-E-P-H-E-N. M as in M&Ms, M, I'm trying to enunciate. <laughs> yes. And then West, W-E-S-T.com. You can sign up there. You can find out more. Get in touch with us. We'll get in touch with you. We got a team of people that would love to, to chat with you and see how we can help. But yeah, what you're going to find when you go to that website is this face and this gray hair. If, I don't know. It's a podcast. <laughs> if, I'm point, if I'm referring to myself in video, it's fine. But there's a lot of videos that'll tell you more about what you can do. And then my email is Stephen with a PH at stephenmwest.com. Two, two way, easy ways for you to get in touch with me. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Stephen. Um, everybody, if you're listening, please subscribe, share. Uh, the show notes for Stephen will be or the uh, links for Stephen will be in the show notes. And uh, thank you, everybody. And you know where to get in touch with me, uh, sexyfreedom.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day, guys. Thanks. Want to hear more? Uh, Visit us at sexyfreedommedia.com.